Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope that you enjoy this message today. You know, I want to tell you today, I want to talk to you today about, about Mary, about Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, I, just, just to say that Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she had, she had an average life growing up in Nazareth, probably less than average. It was a, a small, insignificant town in an insignificant country, part of an insignificant family. They barely got by, just a normal, average person. And she had, you know, there had not been a move of God in their land for for 400 years. There had not been any prophets, no visitation. It was a time of of spiritual darkness, spiritual apathy. They were under the Roman occupation. Mary never dreamed in a million years that she was anybody other than just an ordinary girl. No, no idea that, any, that God had any unusual plan for her life, but, but God had a, a plan for her life. He had an unusual plan for her life. And, and I, want, I want to say before we even get started this morning, God has a plan for your life. You might seem ordinary and look ordinary, but he has an unusual plan for your life. Different from anyone else. Unique and mysterious. As a matter of fact, if you knew, if you only knew the plans that God has for you, you would be shouting and and, and dancing and rejoicing in a greater measure than those two people last week who won those multi-million dollar lotteries. Because you have been chosen, you've been chosen out of all the millions of the people in this earth for a greater reward than some lottery tickets. God has a plan for your life, and it's awesome. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you know, Mary had no idea that she'd be visited by an angel. But let's, let's read it from Luke's account, Luke chapter 1, verse 30. It says, the angel, angel Gabriel came and visited her and said to Mary, Fear not, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. I mean, she's sitting there staring at an angel who I'm sure brought an unusual presence because Gabriel came right from the very presence of the Almighty God. That room was filled with magnificent glory and she's staring at this magnificent creature hearing these incredible words. You shall bring forth a son. You'll call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how shall this be seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. She never even knew about the Holy Ghost. Never had an experience with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost shall come unto thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. 
Well, she conceived in her womb by the visitation of the Holy Spirit. And she went, shortly went to visit her, her aunt Elizabeth, who had also had a supernatural conception. She had conceived from her natural relationship with her husband, but she had been barren all her life. And she had conceived a child in her old age, like Sarah did. And she was carrying in her womb the forerunner, John the Baptist. She was carrying this young, this this future prophet that would shake the world in her womb. And Mary came to visit her. And it says when, when Mary visited her and began to greet Elizabeth, that John, the embryo John, the prophet, the embryo, leaped for joy in his mother's womb when he heard the voice of Mary. Don't tell me God isn't powerful. Don't tell me the Holy Ghost is not real. Even babies, even unborn babies can experience the touch of God. What a powerful thing. So Mary, when she saw Elizabeth, and they were rejoicing together over their bo- their, both of their visitations, over Zechariah's visitation and Elizabeth's pregnancy and Mary's visitation and her pregnancy, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Mary, and she began to prophesy and sing her song. And as she sang her song, you know, the Magnificat, it says in Luke 1, 40, verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Well, I wrote a, a poem this Christmas. I usually write a poem every Christmas time. This particular year, I wrote a poem called Mary's Song. There was called, this is how it goes. And this is the song, of course, of Mary. There was something in her voice, something strong and something true. The baby leapt for joy at the sound. His mother felt like dancing too. There was no real explanation. There was no reason or rhyme. Only that God was somehow very present. They were there in the fullness of time. Mary was singing like an angel. John was dancing to her tune. The Savior of man was soon to come. He was living in a virgin's womb. Their lives were changed forever, changed forever in a day. The painful past was soon forgotten. This song of Mary was here to stay. This song of Mary is a song of prophecy. It's the song of the Lord. The Lord was singing a song over Mary. And this song was was the power of the Holy Ghost. It was infused with the power of God. And this visitation brought about the purposes and plans of God in Mary's life. Step under the overshadowing presence of the Lord. He's here in this house. He's here in the worship of this house. His presence was there in the children's songs and in the worship band's songs earlier today. His presence is here in the proclamation of the word. Open up your heart and step under the overshadowing presence of God. And the touch of the Holy Ghost will begin to birth something in your belly. He'll birth something in you and begin to, he'll begin to create in you the the seed of his purpose and plan for your life if you have ears to hear. So Mary was singing her song and and part of her song as we look at it again in verse 46. She said, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. 
For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Oh, I imagine she got stuck all throughout that day. He has done great things. He has done great things. He has done great things. How's the red bless his holy name? That's, that's what she was singing. He has done great things. He was doing great things in her belly. You know, the, one of the great things that he had done, she recognized that this child that she had conceived in her belly was none other than God. He, look what he says. My, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She recognized the deity of this baby she was carrying in her belly. He is the Emmanuel. He is the mighty God. He is the desire of all nations. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the Prince of Peace. He has done great things. He is my God, she said. And she recognized also, he is my Savior. He is my Savior. Mary, no matter how great she was and how greatly she was used by God, at the end of the day, Mary, like all of us, was a sinner in need of a Savior. And she called upon her Savior, who she bore. She bore her Savior that her Savior might bear her and carry her. She delivered her Savior that her Savior might deliver her one day. And that's that's what happened. She recognized in her song of prophecy this great mystery. How is it possible that me, this teenage girl from Nazareth, a nobody, has has the privilege of carrying the Son of God in my belly? He is my God. He is my Savior. It's where all of our lives begin. It's where our prophetic journey begins. It's where we step into the supernatural plan for the Lord for our lives when we recognize that this incredible mystery that God became a man in the form of a baby and he is God and he is Savior and he is my Savior. And this, of all the great things that God did, this had to be amazing for her. She walked around for nine months carrying that child. You know, a, a mom, especially the, the, a mom for the first time, it's amazing when she comes to the conclusion, I'm carrying in my womb a human. I'm carrying in my belly a child. One day this child will be somebody. This child will be a mom. This child will be a, a lawyer. This child will be a worker. This child will be a preacher. This child will be somebody. I'm carrying a future important person in my belly. Every mom comes to that conclusion. And it's, it's an awesome revelation. It's something that, that causes a bonding that, that lasts for the rest of that mom's life. She's still that, no matter how old that, that baby gets, 30, 40, 50, whatever year old that child, it's still the, that, that mom's baby. Now here's Mary. Not only does she have that going on with her firstborn, But she's coming to the realization that I'm carrying in my belly not only a future man, not only a future prophet, not only the future son of David and future king. That would be amazing enough. But I'm carrying the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the son of God, the savior of all mankind in my belly. He has done great things. I'm carrying the son of God in my belly. I'm carrying the Son of God in my belly. Now here's how this story becomes very personal for us. 
He has done great things, not only for Mary in the birth of Christ. He has done great things for us and for me in the birth of Christ. In John 1.14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I've seen His glory. He came to live amongst us. It says in 1 Timothy 3.16, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among, among the Gentiles, and believed on in the world, received up in glory. Oh, a child, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, or God with us. This, this great thing that God has done for us as a human, as the people on this planet, as human beings, as the fallen race, the sons and daughters of, of Adam, God has done great things because he has come amongst us in the form of a man. He tabernacled amongst us. He took on our humanity. He took on our, our flesh and our blood to identify with us, to minister to us, to represent us, to die for us on the cross. He has done great things. He is amongst us and he is with us. Now here, let's take this a little further. And this is where it becomes really personal. Colossians 1 verse 24 through 27. Now I rejoice in my sufferings, Paul said, for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Paul said he was suffering all those afflictions because he was given the responsibility of revealing the mystery of the ages to the world's. And here's the mystery of the ages. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Whoa. Now, at the end of the day, I won the lottery too. Because, you know, Mary was just a type. She was a type and a shadow of the church. She was a type of all of us because that day that Christ came into my life, I was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. The seed of the Holy Spirit was planted in my belly and inside of me, I began to carry the Son of God inside of my life. That's how I was born again. So Christ now, Christ now, Christ now, the Christ, this God, this Savior of the world, this God, this incredible Emmanuel, this one-of-a-kind God, this only begotten Son of God, not only came to be amongst us, He has come and made His home in my belly, and I carry in this dark world. I carry in this brutal, ugly, nasty world. I carry in this fallen society that hates the gospel and hates Christ and hates his messengers. I carry inside of me Christ Jesus in my belly. I'm pregnant by God. I'm filled with his spirit and I'm carrying this mystery inside of me. Christ in me is the hope of glory. It's the only hope of glory. And at the end of the day, it's what Christmas is all about. So, he has done great things for us, and he is doing great things for us. 
before, let, let's just think for a couple of minutes about the effects of this astronomical, this mystery of the ages. Christ is in me. Oh, not just in theory. No, he's really in me. If, if God lives inside of you, shouldn't somebody know it? If God lives inside, if the God that created all of this, he created everything that is and everything that we see and everything, this all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent, incredible God, if he lives inside of me, should it make a difference? I think it should. He has done great things, and he's doing them right now in my life. Matthew one twenty one. This is, again, the word that the Lord gave to Joseph through an angel. He's telling him about his wife, about his future wife. He said, she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And then he said, why? He was to call his name Jesus, which means the the Lord our salvation. He will save his people from their sins. Now listen, this, this is important. You've got to get this. This word that the angel spoke is a powerful, powerful word. It's a word in the Greek language. It's the word sozo. It carries some powerful connotations that changes everything. It's a game changer for us. This Christ, this Christ has come to live inside of me. And he, his work is to save me from my sins, to sozo me from my sins. This word sozo from Fine's word book, look at what it means. It means to save, it's, it's from the word salvation, it means to save from material and temporal deliverance, from danger, suffering, sickness, and so forth. So the effect, the effect of Christ in me, the effect in Christ in me is protection from physical danger. It's healing in my physical body. Inside of me is the awesome healer, more powerful than any, any prescription a doctor can give you, more powerful than any medical treatment, more powerful than radiation, more powerful than chemotherapy, more powerful than any, any invention that man has invented. This awesome healing God lives inside of me. And he makes a difference. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is quickening my my mortal body. He's living inside of me as I yield to him. His power increases in my life. As I draw near to him, he draws near to me. And that seed begins to grow. It grows stronger. And healing power is my portion. It's also, we're looking at the definition of this word to be saved, to be made whole. It means spiritual and eternal salvation granted immediately by God to those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. There's no other way. We can't get there by doing good works. We can't get there because we're better than other people. We can't get there because we're Buddhists or Catholics or Protestants. There's only one way, only one way. You must be born again. The moment you call upon the name of the Lord, sozo takes place. Eternal life enters inside of you. And you're transformed and transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. The third meaning of this word sozo, it means from the, we're, del- we're saved from the present experiences by God's power to deliver us from the bondage of sin. Sin is powerful. But the grace of God is more powerful. 
Sin holds people in captivity. Alcohol holds people in captivity. Sexual sin holds people in captivity. Homosexuality holds people in captivity. All of these sins of the flesh hold people in bondage. But there is a power greater than the power of sin. It's the power of grace. Grace, grace, amazing grace. And when you call upon his name, not only is there a cleansing from sin, but as we that seed is planted in our heart, There's a deliverance from the chains of sin. He saves us. He saves us totally. He saves us fully. He saves us completely. And he saves us finally. So my body is being saved. Yeah, my body's being saved. And my spirit is being transformed. My soul is being healed. I mean, are you really really saved? I'm not asking if you prayed a prayer one day. I mean, are you saved? Is Christ in you? And is he making a difference in your life? Is, is he in you strong enough for you to know it? Is he in you strong enough for, for somebody else to know it? We're not talking about a cute little trick, praying these words and now everything's better. No, we're talking about Emmanuel, God with us, like he took residence in Mary's belly, taking residence in your belly. Mary could never be the same again, and I could never be the same again when Christ visited me in my life. I'm almost through. Supernatural power. Supernatural power and ability. He gives us supernatural power and ability. Once you've been born again and Christ is in you, a power, the power, supernatural power to live a different kind of life. To live a different kind of life. My little children, Paul said in Galatians 4.19, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed. Everyone say formed. He's formed in you. Oh, what a beautiful word. It's the word morphu. It refers not to the external and outside, but to the inward and the real. Wow. There's an inward change in my very nature. That means I'm different. You know, there's animals have a nature. And, you know, you can do what you want to train them, and you can have some effect in training an animal. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, a cow is still a cow. A rat is still a rat. A kangaroo is a still a kangaroo. And a bird is still a bird. The bird's going to fly. The kangaroo's going to hop. The rat's going to do what he does and do nasty things. All the animals do what they do. And you can't change their nature. But that's the miracle of Christ. He comes inside of us. And that seed is born in us. And as we yield to Christ, there's a more food. There's a, a forming of Christ. And we're changed into a different kind of person. Oh, we're no longer that person we used to be. There's a transformation, a different kind of man, a different kind of woman. You have different kinds of desires and longings. You've been, you've been set free. Oh, yeah, on the inside, set free. Set free. Wow. Awesome. We're going we're gonna, to, let's, let's look at this, this, um, this other example of Mary. Mary also had this, this effect on her life. A supernatural ability now to actually enjoy God. Oh yeah, her life was going to be, it was going to be filled with persecution. 
Her son was going to be killed when he was 33. Simeon the prophet prophesied over him. He was being circumcised when he was eight days old. He's going to be pierced. Your heart's going to be pierced. Bad things are going to happen. But, but even in knowing in her heart that the, 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 the tra- tragedy, she, was, she ended up, Mary ended up living her life in exile as, a, as an older woman, having to leave, leave the country. They were killing the, the, the followers of Jesus. She lived in exile. Listen to what it says in, in her prophetic song. In light of all the bad things that were going to happen. Because, you know, this world is not perfect. You get Christ in your life and you get happy. Bad things still happen. They just don't bother you like they used to. And you now have a solution. You have a way out. And you, and you stop doing things that destroy your own life. You stop doing stupid things that bring worse things to pass in your life. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now, what does that look like? I had to look the word up. It's agalio, to to rejoice. It means the literal meaning of that word that she prophesied is to jump for joy. A physical response. Now, if you jump for joy in church, most people think you're out of order. If you get up and run around the building, people think you're out of order. Couldn't it be just a response to something happening on the inside? Have you ever been... Let me ask you a question. I know nobody's going to watch a football game in a little while. But if you did, and if the Saints happened to win the football game, I wonder if anybody would jump for joy. You think maybe somebody, of all the people here this morning, you think somebody might jump for joy if that happens? Probably so. Probably. When you get a clue that he has done great things, I promise you, you're going to be jumping with Mary. You're going to be dancing with John. You're going to be prophesying with Mary. It'll get a hold of you on the inside. You know, that church on Airline Highway is not weird at the end of the day. They're just given the freedom to respond when God does something good. And this is the last verse, and then we're going to pray. Galatians 4, verse 4 through 7. This is Paul prophesying and writing about the, this experience of Mary. When the fullness of time had come. Woo! I love that. I think fullness is about to hit us right in the head one more time. I think we're ready for the second time, fullness, to come to planet Earth. When the fullness of time had come. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. Born under the law to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir of God. I'm an heir of God. God is my portion. God himself is my heritage. God himself is my inheritance. You know, my, my, my parents passed away Thanksgiving 1987. And they left an inheritance. And we were able, all the kids were able to benefit from that inheritance. There was money and, and stuff. We were able to, to, to buy things and do things, advance ourselves. You know, we were, of course, mourning to see our mom and dad gone. But it was, there was a blessing that they left us all something. Does anyone say Amen. Same thing with Paris' dad. He left us something, and it's been a blessing to us all the year, even since, he, since we, we miss him being here, especially at Christmas. He left us something. But you know, Christ also has left us something. He has left us an inheritance. 
And his inheritance is so much better than the one my mom and dad left or Paris's dad left her. I don't care. You might, your, your dad might be a multi-millionaire and leave you all sorts of earthly riches and treasures, but I have a greater inheritance. My inheritance is God himself. He is my portion. He is my treasure. I am an heir of God and a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just bow our heads and pray together right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, we all can say with Mary today, He has done great things, and we are glad. He has done great things, and we are glad. Lord, we want to just say thank you. If we haven't done it yet this year, this season, thank you for sending your Son. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you loved us so much that you sent your Son to to take our place, to die on the cross. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes our sins away. Thank you, Lord, that you do send the Spirit into our hearts to change us and to transform us into different kinds of people. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at victoryfellowship.net for service times and locations.